Listen, those are the drums of liberty. And six days later, we are still waiting. Let's try and talk about it on this week's Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to the Liberty Minute. Well, folks, I thought by the weekend, at least by Sunday night when we're recording this, after the election on Tuesday, we would have a much clearer picture of our election, midterm elections here in America. But obviously, that was wishful thinking. And can we talk about the fact that we are a full six days after the election and we still don't have outcomes in some states? More importantly, we don't know the majority in the House of Representatives. And we just found out in the last eight hours, I believe, the makeup of the United States Senate with a pending runoff in the Georgia State State, uh, the Georgia Senate race. And still the governorship of Arizona is still in the balance. And in fact, that's looking more and more like the uh, Tammany Hall two-step. What do I mean by the Tammany Hall two-step? Tammany Hall was the longtime Democratic political machine out of New York City. They sold votes, got you the patronage job, and they controlled the state of New York politics for a very, very long time. From roughly the 1820s to the mid-1950s, Tammany Hall controlled the Democratic machine in New York. And maybe we should do a Liberty Minute just on the Tammany Hall political machine. I'm sure we could find some good books out there. Now, the good thing at this time was if you didn't like your vote counting in the state of New York in the during the time in the reign of Tammany Hall, if you didn't like your vote not counting, you could simply just move away out of the state. You could get to a free state, much like we're seeing with Texas and Florida these days. People who know the game is up, they're moving to the free states in this country. Texas, and most especially Florida. So originally, I thought we would do a uh, Liberty Minute where it was an election week recap. And I say, quote, election week, because uh, that's in jest. It used to be when I grew up that we had an election night. And now we have an election week. And... If you live in the state of Pennsylvania, you can say you have an election two months, 50 days before the election, you can start early voting. And evidently, we're just not competent as a country in most things we do anymore. And elections are certainly first on the list. First on the top of that big stack of stuff that we just don't do well as a country anymore. So what I thought we would 
be able to talk about by the end of the week was the shenanigans that everybody was anticipating and that it would take two or three days to resolve. So here we are again in the year 2022 in the United States of America, and we don't have important outcomes in some of our major races. So instead of covering a book for the Liberty Minute, let me share some excerpts from a great column and what some of our most renowned editorial pages have said about this recent election and which hit the nail on the head. And we will reserve our election aftermath special Liberty Minute for, say, I don't know, maybe uh, how about Easter 2023 or better yet, how about Memorial Day 2023? So be sure to stay tuned in, okay? I say all that with sarcasm. So specifically, what is this classic Tammany Hall two-step that I speak of? Well, you wait until the very end of the voting process, and then you ask, how many votes do we need to win? And then you find out where those votes are. You produce those votes by mail-in ballot, and then you bring them to the back room from your mail-in ballot stash, and voila, there you go. You have another batch of votes, and you have thrown the vote to the candidate of your choice. And it's kind of funny that 90% of the time it's a Democratic candidate. And so for the sake of liberty, that's just terrible. Now, Revolver News, which is the new Drudge Report, if you guys don't know, Revolver News has a great piece that they wrote way back in 2020 of how and why and what is happening and what will keep happening until we put a stop to it. So let me share some excerpts with you. Quote, and again, this comes from Revolver News. Here's what the GOP can do right now to make sure no U.S. election is ever compromised again. Quote, if Republicans are serious about stopping voter fraud rather than just whining about it, election after election, when they don't doesn't go their way, here's what they must do. Number one, make absentee voting rare again. Even before the arrival of coronavirus, absentee ballots were becoming more and more common as a means of voting in the United States. In 2016, 24% of all votes were cast by mail, and 40. 1% were cast early. America's love affair with absentee ballots obscures the obvious truth. Truth: Such ballots blatantly invite fraud. Mail-in ballots can easily be requested by other people, filled out by other people, and submitted by other people. Paying for votes is illegal. And with normal voting, this law is easy to enforce. With absentee voting, enforcement is nearly impossible. It's for these exact reasons that mail-in votes are banned or sharply restricted by many other functional democracies. In France, postal voting has been banned since the 1970s for all except those living overseas. Finland also restricts mail-in votes to those outside the country. In Japan, voting by mail requires a doctor's certification that one is disabled. A similar system was suspended in Poland this year due to coronavirus, and the leftists immediately screeched that the system 
would enable widespread fraud. Fraud. Moving on to number two, get rid of electronic voting. Every single election, there are cases of, quote, computer glitches being blamed for counting errors. Some of them are substantial. In Michigan this year, and this was written back in 2020, thousands of votes from Antrim County were mistakenly given to Biden instead of Trump after an incompetent or corrupt official failed to properly update election management software. 2,600 missing votes were just found in Georgia, supposedly after being forgotten on a voting machine's memory card. Whether or not these mistakes or others like them reflect broader attempted fraud is a bigger question worth asking. Why are any states relying on electronic voting software at all? There's there's absolutely no need for voting to be high-tech to be a high-tech operation. All this technology does is introduce complexity while reducing public's confidence in what is happening. Vote counting machines can be hacked, programmed incorrectly, or simply malfunction. In all three cases, it is possible for this to happen without it ever being detected. Imagine that. In fact, several other countries have banned electronic voting, recognizing the risk it imposes. In the Netherlands, leaders abolished electronic voting in favor of hand-counted paper ballots in order to make any concerns about election hacking a moot point. And finally, to number three. The single, or number three, is to count the vote immediately. Yes, please count the vote immediately. The single biggest reason that so many supporters of President justifiably suspected fraud in 2020, that president was Donald Trump, suspected fraud in the 2020 result is the ridiculously drawn out nature of the vote counting itself. And we're seeing this happen right now. Arizona governor's race, uh, 15 to 25 House races, Um, some Senate races. On Tuesday night, President Trump enjoyed massive, seemingly insurmountable leads in states like Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Those leads held up throughout election night, only to vanish as counting went on for many days. In Georgia and Pennsylvania, Joe Biden only took the lead on Friday, three days after the supposed election day. There may be perfectly valid reasons that so many states needed days on end to count a few few million pieces of paper, but none of those reasons sound convincing. To the average voter, drawn out voting intuitively means one thing. Somebody's trying to manufacture votes and hide what they're doing. Often these slow tallies are deliberately encouraged by state law or judicial rulings. In Pennsylvania, mail-in votes were allowed to arrive three days after election, three days after election day, rather and be counted even if they lacked a postmark. In California, mail-in votes can arrive, get this, weeks later and still be counted. (laughs) Weeks later in California. This is a gross absurdity, and Republicans should fight to ban it everywhere they can. Voters casting mail-in ballots already have several weeks to make sure their vote is counted. It's perfectly fair to expect them to have their vote returned by the date of the election. If they cannot do that, their vote should not count. 
End of quote. Couldn't agree more. Now let's move on to the Wall Street Journal, Friday's editorial page. Title, It Takes Too Long to Count Votes. Two days after the election, and we're now we're six days, it's still impossible to say which party has won the House and the Senate, and the mystery could last until next week, a loss. As of Thursday afternoon, the balance were only 83% counted in Nevada and 70% in Arizona. The figure for the one competitive House race in California was 39%. These delays are the result of mass mail-in voting, and they're no good for public confidence. In the Nevada Senate race, Republican Adam Laxalt was ahead by roughly 16,000 votes with Democrat Kathleen Cortez Masto getting closer. This isn't suspicious in and of itself. Democrats vote absentee at higher rates than Republicans, and mail-in ballots typically take longer to verify and count. But the meantime, in Arizona, Democrat Katie Hobbs, the actual Secretary of State that oversees the election, yep, she hasn't recused herself. Democrat Katie Hobbs leads Republican Carrie Lake in the race for governor by some 17,000 votes. Uh and that's still going on as we speak. Tammany Hall two-step. Still states are making a bad policy choice when they let vote counting drag on for days. And here's the kicker. If the rules were reversed, it's easy to imagine Democrats being suspicious. And anyone who doubts should recall the crazy left conspiracy theory in 2020 that the U.S. Postal Service was stealing the election. Let's move on down the page in this Wall Street Journal editorial page from Friday. These laws introduced too much slack into the voting system in the old days. An extraordinary, ordinarily close election might be decided after the polls closed by small numbers of provisional or military votes. Yet John Q. Public now gets the same dispensation for tardy ballots, ballots once reserved for the armed forces. Absolutely. So in the concluding paragraph, Florida managed to count some seven and a half million votes within hours Tuesday, in part because it pre-processes incoming mail ballots and has an election day deadline. So far, the U.S. has been Las Vegas lucky in avoiding a mail-in vote debacle, but only a fool keeps spinning the roulette wheel. Amen. Now let's move on to a great column by Selena Zito. She's a great uh, political reporter and uh, wrote a fantastic book about the 2016 election, uh, which we might cover. Not sure. Not sure if we're going to have legitimate elections after this this debacle we're watching now. Uh, she has a piece in the Washington Examiner uh, from over the weekend. Actually, on uh, on Friday, her bylines from Pittsburgh. The first thing Allegheny County Republican Chairman Sam DeMarco saw on election night after the polls closed was more than 100,000 votes from his home county that dropped for Democrat John Fennerman through mail-in ballots. Although he wasn't sure just yet that that meant that the race was lost, he also knew Republicans needed to fix something and the party's way of doing things going forward. Quote, those initial large dumps of voters were mail-in ballots from Democrats, he said, in advance voting 
that began in 2020 during the pandemic. Democrats embraced it with gusto, but Republicans shied away. The biggest takeaway from Tuesday night is that the Republican attitudes in regard to mail-in voting needs to change, he said. Right now, it's like we're running a 100-yard race against the Democrats, giving them the 45-yard head start. Both parties have limited resources, but while they work during the 50 days of early voting, collecting and banking early votes, we're just collecting promises to show up on Election Day. It's not sustainable, and Democrats get better at at it every cycle. When all the dust settled, it will be interesting to see what percentage of the mail-in votes for Democrats was in the final count. Anything over 40% is a real problem for Republicans going forward if they don't get their mail-in ballot ship corrected. Here's some interesting stats that I wanted to give to you guys. Before the pandemic, Pennsylvania voters needed a valid excuse to cast an absentee ballot. Act 77, which was signed on October 31st, 2019, went into effect January 1st, 2020. It added no excuse mail-in voting up to 50 days before an election. Note, this is previous to coronavirus. It was signed on October 31st, 2019. Coronavirus doesn't hit until March of 2020. The law went into effect January 2020, January 1st, 2020. It also changed how these ballots are canvassed, moving from the individual precincts or polls to a central canvassing facility. Imagine that. In this state, no one really thought it would be a big deal. Most of the people who used absentee balloting were bedridden or traveling out of state on Election Day, and then the pandemic hit. Let's end with the final two paragraphs from Selena's column. Republicans can complain about the current rules all they want, but what they need to do is wake up and start competing with Democrats where they are. Otherwise, they're just going to leave winnable races on the table. Florida Republicans certainly have figured this out. In 2018 and 20, the Democrats went into Election Day with more ballots cast than Republicans in early voting. This year, Florida Republicans flipped that on its head. Republicans in other states should take note, end of quote. So there you go about the Pennsylvania Senate race. 100,000 votes just dropped in on Election Day. And so you have essentially, if you're in Pennsylvania, 50 days to get your Tammany Hall two-step all geared up and be sure you have the votes to just drop in, where you can elect a guy who is struggling cognitively. I mean, I wish him the best with his health recovery, um, but he shouldn't be running for or elected to the U.S. Senate. They should have ran someone else once this happened in May for the sake of humanity. You have to ask yourself, where's the wife of John Fetterman and where are those that protect him and his dignity and love him? And where is the respect for the voters of Pennsylvania? Well, I digress. They, they spoke. They spoke with 100,000 mail-in votes dropped in on Election Day. So on another note, you know, the president spoke several times leading up to this pivotal midterm election, and it's agonizing to listen to him. He has no respect for the American people. Here is one quote he said 
in a typical year, we are not often faced with the question of whether the vote we cast will preserve democracy or put it at risk. But we are this year. End of quote. And then just a day or two before the election, the president was quoted as saying this, democracies are more than a form of government. They are a way of being, a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, and why we do what we do. Democracy is simply that fundamental. We can't take democracy for granted any longer. And he kept saying democracy is on the ballot. Mr. President, democracy is always on the ballot in every election. But the foundational principle in a constitutional republic, which we are, because we're not a pure democracy, is the sacredness of the ballot in our republic. Let me just point out, let me just point out for the record, you know, the state of Florida does have early voting. Going back to the revolver piece, let me just pull this last quote here. Quote, after the recent debacle in Florida in 20 or in 2000, the state drastically overhauled its election processes. In Florida, absentee ballots must be returned by 7 p.m. on election night, period. With no shenanigans about postmarks. The state requires a matching signature for mail-in ballots. Ballots that are returned earlier are opened and verified early before being stored securely and critically they are counted first. Did you hear that? They are counted first. That's extremely important. Back to the revolver piece, meaning they can never be used to play quote catch up after a surprising election night deficit. Florida had plenty of mail in and early votes, but it still had no difficulty having ballots almost completely counted by midnight that performance should be the norm everywhere. End of quote. Yep, they counted some seven and a half, seven point seven million votes quite va- quite fast. And as for Arizona and Nevada and Pennsylvania in twenty twenty, all these states with their wonky election laws need to be cleaned up very fast. So in today's Liberty Minute, we hate to keep beating this drum, but indeed it is the drum of liberty. The absolute foundation of this democracy, Mr. President, is to have legitimate elections, ones that every citizen can have faith and trust in, and that is of having a free and a fair, and we don't have that in some states as of this time, in safe election. And to be able to count the ballots so that the faith and trust in our election system and its mechanics are and is upheld. So each and every election season that we don't have election shenanigans. Because when we do, democracy is further eroded. For the sake of liberty and the constitutional republic, let's restore some sanity to these very, very relaxed voting rolls across our great land. Or else... This will become a very sad, if it comes to pass, very sad demise to our country. Specifically, this Arizona governor's race where they're still counting votes between Hobbs and Cary Lake. And again, this is the actual secretary of state who has not recused herself from the vote which she oversees. 
that's blatant in your face. We'll have to see what happens, but it sure looks like it's the Tammany Hall two-step yet again. If that happens, democracy, Mr. President, and our elections will only be in name only. No one will believe our elections anymore. We will have them, but nobody will believe the actual count. And yes, democracy will be on the ballot then too. But when folks are voting and everyone knows it's a sham, then the game is up. The republic will be over. And that's the real shame of it, because Lady Liberty will stand in the New York Harbor, just like she has for over some 140 years. And she'll be standing not too far from that location that held Tammany Hall. And Lady Liberty will no longer be seen as a beacon to the whole world of freedom and liberty. She will be seen as a beacon and more importantly as a reminder of what it was once like when American citizens were free to vote and actually have their vote count and mean something. Now maybe they will tear down that statue too eventually. Who knows? The madness of crowds and the Tammany Hall two-step will be certain suspects when they're writing this history some hundred years from now. Now, I know everyone seems dejected. I'm dejected. There's a lot wrong with our country. Seems that we can't count votes properly. But let me share some words with you, if I may. This comes from a great speech in 1964, just before a general election. And it was a general election that our side didn't win. So maybe these words will be of some consolation to you. And it is my hope that they will lift your spirit just a bit. Quote, if all this seems like a great deal of trouble, think what's at stake. We are faced with the most evil enemy mankind has known in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. There can be no security anywhere in the free world if there is no fiscal or economic stability within the United States. Those who ask us to trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state are architects of a policy of accommodation. They say the world has become too complex for simple answers. They are wrong. There are no easy answers, but there are simple answers. We must have the courage to do what we know is morally right. Winston Churchill said that the destiny of man is not measured by material computation. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we are great spirits, not animals. And he said, this is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us, we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. That was Ronald Reagan, October 27, 1964, the Nationwide Television Televised address for Barry Goldwater, 
his presidential campaign. So folks, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually six to nine pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.